And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things in your law. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Can I let you in a little secret? I have this thing that really annoys my wife. I use Google Maps to navigate to places I already know how to go. And when it's places that I really need to know where to go, I don't use Google Maps. Don't ask me why I do that. Maybe it's because I'm a man, whatever. It's been said that, um, that why, why do we call them wise men in this passage uh, rather than wise women? Well, because if it would have been wise women, they would have asked for directions before leaving, not on route. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They would have swept the stable. They would have probably brought a meal or a casserole. And they would have brought a practical gift. <laughs> now, okay, I'm just joking aside, right? The wise men, you know, they say, oh, they went to the wrong place. They nearly got Jesus murdered. I mean, they're not that wise, right? But actually, you know, they were only 10 kilometers off, you know, and that's not that far off, right? I mean, as we used to say in the Army or if you're in the Air Force, right, um, you know, close is good in hand grenades, horseshoes, and small-scale tactical nukes. It's only 10 kilometers off. It's not that far off, right? But Bethlehem's only just a little bit south of Jerusalem. So these magi, uh, they're wise men. And what these wise men were was, uh, they're not our equivalent of astrologers or astronomers. They're more like philosophers, astronomers, and also diplomats. Um, and there's a variety of ideas who they might be. Some think that might have always, they might have come all the way from China. That's highly unlikely. Um, some think Babylon, but there, there's a, the, the most likely theory is that they came from a place called Persia. And the reason why we think this is that, and I was reading from someone who teaches at the at SOAS, the School of Oriental and African Studies in, in the University of London, and this lecturer uh, says that in pre-Islamic um, Iran, in the Zoroastrian faith, and if you're at all familiar with who the Zoroastrians were, they were they're monotheists. King Cyrus, who helped rebuild the Second Temple where Jesus was then dedicated, King Cyrus himself was a Zoroastrian. Freddie Mercury, you might be familiar with him, he was a Zoroastrian. These were Zoroastrian priests in their, um, in their tradition, and to this day, it's still handed down, not only in oral tradition, but written down, that it was Zoroastrian priests that traveled all the way to Israel to pay homage to Jesus. So even outside the Bible, in their tradition, they believe that that's what, what happened too. So either way, whether it's Iran or Iraq or China, and I think Iran is the more probable place where they came from, that's a thousand miles they traveled a thousand miles to find this king of the Jews. Now, you know, in our day and age where we got interstates and we got cars, that's a thousand miles is still a bit of a road trip, right? But in the days of traveling on foot, donkey or camel, that is a big feat. So these guys, as I said, were philosophers. They're also diplomats because what do diplomats do? They go and they bring presents. I mean, you can go see what, what are given to the President of the United States or the King of England when diplomats go to visit. They always give them symbolic gifts. So these folks come to, um, to Israel because 
even in, in those days and ages, they, 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 they talk about when there were portents in the sky of, oh, this Caesar was born and there was this big star in the, the heaven or a supernova or whatnot. They, they saw these signs in the skies as being things that involved the birth of someone of great importance. So they interpreted it to mean that it was the king of the Jews. So where did they go? They go right to where the king of the Jews would be, to the palace. And they run into Herod. And they ask Herod, where is this uh, one who is born to be king of the Jews? And Herod looks at them and says, uh, my wife's not pregnant, but thank you very much. But th the interesting thing about this is that Herod actually is not really the king of the Jews. King Herod is actually an Edomaean, and you can actually read this in Josephus' history about that. He's actually from across the Jordan. He's actually a usurper. Do you see? That's why in the, in the, the text, Matthew throws this little thing away where it says, where is this one who's been born king of the Jews? And Herod says, was greatly troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, you see, when the leader of a nation gets a bit troubled, guess what? The whole nation gets troubled, you know? When, when you have a good king, a nation flourishes. When you have a bad king, a nation doesn't flourish as much. So he was upset because he realizes that if they're seeing these signs in the skies, the king of the, Jew, the Jews, that means that the jig is up, and people have figured out that he's not really the king. That Yes, the Romans installed him. He was a puppet master. He was a puppet, uh, a puppet for the puppet masters in Rome, and he really wasn't the king. So he asked the, the Magi, when did you see this portent in the sky? And they said, well, that was about two years ago. It took us a, a while to, to get here to travel on foot and on camel and whatnot. And so then he he asked them, he asked his own scribes and the chief priests where the prophets say this king is supposed to be born. And it's in Bethlehem. And if you read a little bit further in Matthew, which we didn't finish the reading here, that's when um, Herod does what's called the slaughter of the innocents. Uh, and that's actually completely in, his, in historical keeping for who Herod was. Um, Herod, uh, as we know from extra-biblical sources, had his own wife murdered. He had his own brother murdered, so murdering a whole bunch of newborns or zero to two-year-olds in Bethlehem would completely not be out of character for someone like Herod. So these, um, these magi travel all the way to Bethlehem, and when they see this sign, we don't know whether it was a comet, because Halley's Comet did pass by somewhere between 4 BC and, and zero AD. Um, there also was a conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. Um, some say it might have been a supernova. It could have been something supernatural. We don't know which of those four possibilities it was. What we do know is that something happened and these, these wise men came to find Jesus. They were on a search. They were searching for this king. They, but the thing is, they, just like you and I, sometimes we search for a king in the wrong place, or we search for God in the wrong place, or we even search for home in the wrong place. These kings were searching for a home. They were searching for home. They left their home, the home they came from, to find the home they had dreamed of. They'd followed the star, they'd followed the prophecies, they followed their hearts, and then they followed the road to Jerusalem and finally the road to Bethlehem, finding Jesus. And then all their hopes and fears of all the years were met in Jesus that night. They found what they were looking for, not in a king's palace, but in a little manger where the bread of life was laid. 
God with us, God like us, God for us. No wonder it says in this gospel reading that when they found him, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy and they gave gifts and they worshiped him. Now here's the thing, when you finally find home, the home you've always dreamed of, um, you overflow with joy. I remember chatting with a friend of mine, Terry, uh, which some, some of y'all might know this guy named Terry here. Um, but he tells how nearly eight years ago, uh, he, he'd been here in New Smyrna many, many times. He had a home in Wisconsin. But when he finally moved down here to New Smyrna Beach, he walked into this church and he said, I found home. I found something that feels like home. And maybe you've experienced that when you walk into, into a community that, that loves you, in a community that, that challenges you, a community that, that feels like home. And some of us, as we've been listening, you know, we, we may have been on a long journey. We may, we may still be on that journey trying to find this home. St. Augustine said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Most of us spend our whole lives searching for home on this journey. Some of us find it, some of us don't. But home is not just where your heart is. Home is where Jesus is. And I love this. You have these Gentiles who, who leave the home they came from to find the home they've always dreamed of. But the second thing you find is that Jesus left the home he came from to give us the home we've always dreamed of. What do I mean by that? Look, there's this little literary device called a bookend. Are you familiar with what a bookend is? It's not just the things that hold your books together. But it's something you do at the beginning of your piece of literature and something at the end of your literature, kind of recapitulating or hinting at it in both sides of the, the story. In the book of Matthew, Jesus is referred to king of the Jews at the beginning of the book, at the very end of the book. And it's only Gentiles at the beginning of the book that call him king of the Jews. These magi come from the Far East and they say, where is this one who's been born king of the Jews? And then you find in Matthew chapter 27, where another Gentile, the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, says, why don't you tell me, are you the king of the Jews? You see, Jesus left his throne, his, all the riches of heaven, to come be God with us, Emmanuel. That's what it is. And, and one of the things I love about um, the Christian faith is, is that we get to help bring people home. One of the things that, that I've done in many other churches that I've worked at, and one of the things we're going to do here is we're going to run a thing called the Alpha Course. The Alpha Course is just an informal way to explore life's biggest questions. And we're going to do that the week following Easter. And I just remember the first time I ran it for a bunch of university students when I was a chaplain in England, and just people seeing the penny drop and discovering the home they'd always dreamed of. At Christmas, at Epiphany Tide, God comes to us. He comes like us. He comes for us, not, not with fanfare, not with a big crown, but in swaddling clothes. And he keeps coming for us. He keeps knocking at the door of our heart saying, I've come to bring you home. St. Paul even hints at this in 2 Corinthians 
chapter 8, verse 9. And, and I'm not going to read that verse, but what I'm going to read is a, is a paraphrase of that verse that was written by an Anglican bishop nearly 100 years ago in China. And he wrote these words to a hymn that we sang over Christmas. Thou who wast rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake becamest poor. Thrones for a manger didst surrender, sapphire paved courts for stable floor. Thou who wast rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake becamest poor. Let's pray. O God, who by the leading of your star did manifest your only begotten Son to the Gentiles, mercifully grant that we who now know you by faith may after this life have the fruition of your glorious company. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.